What a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday evening. Welcome to everybody. So thankful that you're in the house with us uh, this evening. And uh, I'm delighted tonight to uh, be able to have the Pitts family with us uh, from Belize. And uh, we're looking forward to even getting better acquainted with them the remainder of this week. And uh, we are just honored that they're with us today. And uh, I don't don't know... uh, what it does for you, but when I see people willingly giving of themselves to touch others, uh, that's kind of in my wheelhouse. That's kind of where we want to live. And uh, so uh, the little video that you just saw is, uh, is just a snapshot of what Brother Derek and, uh, and his team is doing. And uh, he's going to come and share a little bit of that with us uh, this evening, and then he's going to share the word of the Lord with us as well. Uh, so can you make him welcome as he comes tonight, Brother Derek Pitts, all the way from Belize. And I'll let him introduce his uh, lovely family, And uh, but we are so honored that uh, they're with us tonight. So God bless you, my friend. Thank you very much, Pastor Ron. Good night, church. Uh, oh, you see, in Belize, when we say good night, that doesn't, you know, we're not saying to leave. That's just how we... We introduce, I'm not telling you guys to leave the church, all right? <laughs> um, but it's such a joy for us to be here um, tonight. I know me and Pastor Ron, and we have talked so much about this even just being a thought, and now it's a reality. And so thank you very much, Pastor Ron, and your church for having us here tonight. Um, Miss Vanessa, you know, came to Belize, and she is the one behind all of this, making the connection. So thank you, Miss Vanessa, for, for all of that. But tonight, I want to introduce my my beautiful wife, uh, Valentine. Can you please stand and say hi to the church? So this is my beautiful wife. And then, and then the, the little girl is Hannah. Um, her name is Hannah because Hannah means favor, and the Lord has favored me with a beautiful daughter. And so her name is Hannah. Awesome, awesome. So we're from the country of Belize. How many of you know where Belize is at? It's, it's not in Africa. <laughs> you know, I get that sometimes. It's like, where is Belize? Is Belize somewhere over Africa? No, we're, we're in Central America, but we also share um, the Caribbean as well and a little bit of Latin America. So we're, we're just, we're tucked in there. So we have Mexico on top of us. We have Guatemala behind us and below us. We have Honduras. And then in front of us is the beautiful Caribbean Sea. Um, you know, we come from a population of 300 and something, 350 plus um, people. So it's a very small country, very diverse. I mean, we have um, the Creole people like me, that we speak Creole. So we don't say water, we say water. We don't say car, we say car. We don't say boy, we say boy. You know, so we speak a little bit of Creole. We say Jesus Christ. So if I say, if I say tree, tree, that means three trees, all right? So when you hear me say tree, tree, that's three trees, all right? Um, but we, we, we have the Creole people, we have the Mayans, you know, the indigenous people, we have the Arawak people, which is the Garifuna, um, we have the Mestizo people, which is a mix of Spanish and Mayan, then we have the Hispanic people, a very small place. From the top of Belize to the bottom of Belize, it takes only six or seven hours driving. So it's, it's, it's really small. Um, you, could, you could be um, in one place and you drive for 30 minutes and you're in a whole different world. 
You know, so Belize is very diverse, a melting pot, and I love my nation. I love God have called me to that place, you know. So many times we come to the U.S. and we have churches that would say, hey, Derek, why don't you and your family be, uh, stay at our church and be our youth pastor or be our children pastor? I'm like, no, God have called me to Belize. I got to go back to Belize. And so me and my wife, we oversee a ministry by the name of God Cares Outreach, and all we do is that we come alongside the local church in equipping and resourcing them to reach out to their communities. All right, so we come alongside. It doesn't matter what denomination you are. As long as you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and there is no next way in getting to heaven through him, I can work with you. I can help you evangelize your community. And so that is all that we do. We come alongside them. And whatever we see, it, we do an assessment of the community and we see what is needed in that community to draw people in. And so in some of the community, we might have feeding programs, all right, because that is a need in that community. And, that, and then the church is the one doing that feeding program whereby people are coming in. Um, in some community, it might, might, might as well be an uh, after-school program or because uh, um, some of them can't have access to the Internet or need tutors to help them with the homework. So we come alongside that church. We set up an after-school program. Kids come in. These, these programs are only tools to get them into the church. And so we have, we have several of these across the country. We also believe in door-to-door -door evangelism. So we train churches how to do evangelism, how to do um, discipleship. And all of this, man, my heart is outside the four walls. You know, that, that's all I'm all about, me and, my, me and my wife. And we have been doing this for the past uh, 10 years. My wife used to be a banker when I married her. She said, I'm going full-time in ministry with you. We both started out um, starting a feeding program of like 50 kids, and it came out of our pocket. And that, that feeding program grew to multiple feeding programs across the nation. And I just want to say, little is much when God is, God's, um, God is in it. And so, you know... Um, you know, the, the pandemic um, really brought, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people were going crazy when COVID-19 hit last year around this time. Um, and as a ministry, but how many of you know that the pandemic didn't catch God by surprise? It didn't, it didn't catch God by surprise. He had already had plans in place in how the Great Commission will still be accomplished during the pandemic. As a matter of fact, he told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. As a matter of fact, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means COVID-19 will not prevail against the church. And then he went forward and he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, whatever you bind here on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose here on earth will be loose in heaven. And so during this whole pandemic, I'm like, Lord, what are we supposed to do? I know you know what we need to do. And God said, he gave me a word. He said, multiply. In a time when everything was shrinking, when everything was closing down, God said, I want you to multiply. I want you to multiply your leadership. I want you to multiply your volunteers. I want you to multiply um, um, your, your partnership. I want you to multiply your efforts. I was like, okay, Lord, let's do it. I, I didn't know how. And then God started opening up doors. He said, first, I want you to reach to my frontline, my frontline workers. I was like, okay, Lord, you want me to reach out to the doctors, the policemen? He said, no, 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 no. Those aren't my frontline workers. Those are the country frontline workers. He said, my frontline workers are those that are preaching the gospel. I said, okay, God. So we reach out to 50 pastors and we said, pastors, how can we help you during this time? And I mean, pastors were crying by us just asking that question. Because you see in Belize, most of these pastors, their life is dependent upon the ministry. They're full-time in the ministry and they budget from Sunday to Sunday. 
whatever offering come in, that is how they keep things going around the church. And so when we came there, like, man, brother Derek, we're being evicted from our home. We can't pay our youth. I mean, these are people that have dedicated their life to the ministry. You know, and so we, we came alongside 50 of them. Some of them we sent groceries. Some of them we sent some support to hold them over for a month. And, and we were able to, to help them get through that season. I mean, we got back videos, pastors, of pastors crying, saying thank you, that we were praying for food just yesterday, and you came and you sent meals. I mean, we encouraged those pastors. We came alongside them and we gave them hope. How can they be preaching hope when they themselves were going through a hopeless situation? And so we encouraged them and we came alongside them and we resourced them, and that started to multiply in our country. And so I want to share something with you that what the devil intended for bad because he thought that COVID-19 would have destroyed the work of the Lord. But we know that what the enemy intended for bad or God will turn around for our good. And so during the year of COVID-19 uh, 2020, we were able to partner with 157 churches across our nation. Not only that, I, I mean God told us to multiply. In that time, we were able to uh, um, raise up... 458 volunteers. Out of that 458 volunteers, they said, Brother Derek, we don't know how to do it. So we said, all right, we'll teach you. We'll train you. Out of that, we were able to train 323 volunteers how to do evangelism, how to get out there during this time of pandemic. Not only that, because we believe that we can strategically reach our entire nation by going door to door, presenting the gospel. So during COVID-19, when everything was supposed to shut down, we were able to reach 9,733 homes with the gospel. Come on, somebody. You know, God, we were able to multiply our partnership whereby people started to donate. They started to see what we were doing. We were able to distribute 2,000 plus bags of love, what we call groceries, 2,000 bags of groceries. Do you believe it? We did more than the Red Cross during the pandemic. That is what God have called the church to do. Amen. We had two hurricanes that hit Central America right around that time that caused great flooding in the nation of Belize. We got a call from an organization that Ms. Vanessa knows very well by the name of Samaritan Feet. They said, Derek, we have a container of 15,000 pairs of shoes coming to your nation. Do you know every pair of shoes that we distributed came with gospel literature and prayer during the year that the enemy told us that nothing is going to happen? You know, we, uh, also, we were able to make, so gospel presentation, we were able to share the gospel with over 25,000 people during that year. Out of that, we had 11 people that got baptized. There was this one lady in a, in a village called uh, Malante, uh, uh, Gales Point Malante, and we went and we were doing home-to-home -home evangelism, and we came and, and she gave her life to the Lord. And I looked at her, I said, are you willing to get baptized right now? Though? Well, the Caribbean Sea is right at her back door. She said, yes, Pastor, I want to get baptized. What do you think I did? I didn't talk, take her through a membership class. I said, you want to get baptized? We'll baptize you. Boom, she was baptized. Come on, somebody. This is the gospel. Out of all those people that we, what, we gave the gospel to, 998 people we were able to connect to a local church. During a year that the enemy thought that we were going to back down, that we were going to lap our tails between our foot like a scared little dog and run away and say, ooh, 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 God told me to multiply. How many of you know our job here on earth is to empty hell and fill up heaven? 
Our job here is to empty hell and fill up heaven. And so I want to tell you that, you know what? Our God has the strategy to navigate whatever comes our way. Whatever comes our way. And so I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm excited to see what God will do in 2021. You know, because it only gets better. It gets sweeter and sweeter. So I have dedicated my life to this. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys. I mean, I'm excited to see we're working on some kitchens now, getting more kitchens built because, you know, our, our economy has shut down because of the, the pandemic. You know, our bread basket was tourism and with not, no ships coming in or anything like that. We, we have went into debt. We, we, I mean, we're, we're a country, the economy is shrinking, but we know that our God, what, you know, our God is moving in our nation. And so we thank God that we get to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. So that's just a little bit of what we do in the country of Belize. But I believe that God have a word that he want to share with us tonight. Amen? Amen. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to the book of Samuels. Second Samuel. Worship team, you guys did a really good job, man. All right. Amen. Are you guys understanding me? My little accent is not showing you guys off. All right. Don't laugh at me. I, I remember the first time I preached in the, in the, in the U.S., I was, I was preaching at a church at a, a youth conference, and I, I, I was talking about Timothy. You know, and I, 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 I tried to look for a picture that, that this, like, had Timothy didn't look really good, like somebody that you will easily pick on. And so I, find, I found this picture on, on Google, and this guy didn't have any teeth, right? But at the time, I did not pronounce the TH, you know, because we don't pronounce the TH in Belize. And so this entire time, I was saying Timothy didn't have any teeth, any teeth, and the young people would just laugh. And I went to the pastor, and I said, Pastor, why are the young people laughing when I said Timothy has no teeth? He said, because teeth means cow nipples. So you were saying that Timothy didn't have any, <laughs> any nipples at the time. I was like, good Lord, help me. All right, so please, please don't be laughing if I say something that doesn't sound right to you. Amen? All right, so 2 Samuel chapter 9, and we'll start at verse 1. And it said, David, are we there? Are you guys there? All right, it says... David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? This is David just became king. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba, your servant, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still, is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Just to give you guys a little um, side note on that, Mephibosheth, right, which, I will, which we will get to know, his mom, he, he, he was Jonathan's son. And when, David, when, when they heard that David became king, in order to protect Mephibosheth, the babysitter ran with Mephibosheth and she tripped over a stone causing him to be crippled, all right? So that's how he got crippled. And so Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. 
Ziba answered, He is in the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And listen to what Mephibosheth said. He bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me. Let us pray to heaven, Lord. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. Father, I pray that you will move in this place tonight. Father God, that you, will, that you will touch hearts, Lord God, that you will transform minds, Lord God, that you will speak purpose and identity over each and every person in this room tonight. Use your man servant, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross that when your people see me, that they will see you, Lord God. Loose my mind, loose my tongue, Lord God. Let me function, let me operate the way you operate, Lord God. And I pray at the end of this service, Lord God, that somebody's life, Lord God, will forever be impacted. That some Somebody, Lord God, will rise up into who you have called them to be and take on this great calling that you have called them to do, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to share your word. I pray that your word will come forth with clarity and boldness. Let them that have ears hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I come against the enemy. I come against his, his schemes. I come against his plan that will try to distract, Lord God, that will start to try chaos, Lord God. I speak other in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight I want to share about leaving Lodibar. You see, Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. And Saul was king, so that meant that Jonathan was prince. And so if Saul should die, Jonathan would become king. And if Jonathan should become that ill and die, then Mephibosheth was supposed to be king. So here was this supposed-to-be king, Mephibosheth, hiding in a place called Lodibar. Why was he hiding in a place called Lodibar? It was because he scared that David might kill him. You see, Mephibosheth had an a, a, a identity crisis. He did not know who he was. He did not know that he had royalty flowing through his blood. He did not know that he was king, that he, had, he, he was supposed to be the head and not hiding in Lodabar. How many of you know tonight that if you don't know who you are in Christ, you're a nobody to the devil? I'll repeat that again. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you're a nobody to the devil. You see, the devil won't mess with you. Oh, this one doesn't know who he is. She, she doesn't know who she is, so I can do whatever I want with him. I could tell him that he, he is ugly and he will walk around believing that he is ugly. I could tell she that you're not good enough, you're not worthy enough, so I could put the spirit of suicide over her life. But you know when you know who you are in Christ, come on somebody, that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath, that you're blessed going in and blessed coming out. The enemy won't like you. You become on the top wanted list. He has sh sharp shooters that is out to take you out. But how many of you know that no weapon that form against you shall prosper? Come on, somebody. So here was Mephibosheth had an 
an identity crisis. And you've got to understand that your identity speaks purpose. You see, if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're supposed to do. And the enemy, if the enemy can, can, can give you an identity crisis that you don't know who you are, then he will rob you of your purpose. When you look at in, in, in Genesis, you know, the first thing that he did was attack the identity. And then, you know, when God gave Adam his identity and said, you know what, you, you are made in the image and likeness like me, you know, that, that was his identity. And then he said, you know what, now here is your purpose. You are supposed to multiply. You're supposed to take care of the land. Your purpose speaks identity. Many people are going around in life not fulfilling their purpose because they don't know who they are. And that's the tactic of the enemy. But we had a problem. And I explained to you in 2 Samuel chapter 4 that Mephibosheth as a babysitter was dropped because it caused him to be crippled in both feet. You see, Mephibosheth trusted his babysitter. Oh, she's going to take care of me. Oh, she has, she has, she, she, will, she will do me good. She's protecting me. I believe Mephibosheth trusted everything in that babysitter. And that babysitter picked him up and, 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 and she, she ran to try to, but she dropped Mephibosheth. Causing him to be crippled in both legs. How many of you know that tonight you could be dropped but not destroyed? You see, in my life you might hear all these things that I shared about, but I was dropped as a young man. I was dropped because my father was never in my life. I knew him as a business partner. When he came around, me and him would sell stuff in order to take care of my mom. And then he died from crack cocaine. And when he died, I didn't even cry because I did not know the man. And then my mom left when I was 12 years old to the United States. And I, I pretty much grew up in the care of my older brothers who, who they themselves have dropped me. So I had my dad who dropped me. I had my mom who dropped me. Now I'm left in the care of my two older brothers. I trust them. The next thing you know, I was transporting drugs from one block to the next block. Police wouldn't stop a little 12-year-old boy looking innocent, carrying drugs in his backpack. And then when I didn't want to do it, they would beat me so bad that the neighbors would have to call police. I moved out at age 14, start renting my own apartment. $25 US every week I had to come up with to pay for my apartment. It was a one little bedroom. You might say, but you're only 14. How did you pay for that? Well, I start doing what I knew. I start selling drugs too. You see, I stand up here and I share about all that I'm doing in Belize, but you got to understand that I was dropped along the way. Start selling drugs. The guys in the gang said, oh, Papa T was my street name. Papa T, you know what? If you want to survive on the street, you need a gun. At 14 years old, I had a gun. And anybody knows about the street life, all you need is a gun to, to start a gang. And so we started a little gang called True the Whole Bloods. Running around, robbing all the local shops. And to make things a little bit worse, I think 
I think good, but when I look back over it, it meant good. One day, my little brothers and sisters came, three of them came knocking on my bedroom apartment. I was about 16 at this time. Three, other, three younger siblings that did not belong to my dad, but my mom had with an ex guy. They came knocking on my door and said, our dad don't want us home anymore. I was like, what am I supposed to do about that? He said, well, mommy will have to find somewhere to stay. Well, I knew the condition that my mom was in. She was in L.A. picking up cans and bottles to pay her rent. There was no way that she could find a place for us to stay. So I took them back to their dad, come to find out that the dad had a next woman that did not want the kids. And so she, he wouldn't even allow us to come inside the yard. I took my little, two little brothers and my sisters and I rode them back on my bicycle to that one-bedroom apartment and I start raising them. I start taking care of them, making sure they were going to school, making sure that they were fed, making sure that, that, that clothes were on their back. This was a young man that gave up his entire youth and tried to be a man. The local church in the community will help us out by giving us flour, rice, beans, and food. So you understand why I have a heart for what I do in my community because the church did it for me and I, it is only right for me who found bread at the master table to bring other beggars to find bread at the master table. That is what we're here to do. And so I got involved in the church. I did not came to the altar and say, here I am, Lord, use me. I did not surrender my life. I was only going to the church because of what they had to offer. And before you knew it, the pastor saw potential in me. I gave up my gang life. I gave up the drugs. I gave up the gun. And I said, I don't want to do that anymore because I did not want my little brothers and sisters to see the things that I was doing. And so I got involved in the church. The pastor saw potential in me. And so she put me in the drama group. You got to understand, I did not accept Jesus as my Savior. But she saw potential. And she said, you could join the, join the drama group. Well, you better best believe it. They put me to play the devil. In all the drama, you guys know about Carmen? Carmen, uh, the, we did a lot of human videos to Carmen. And I played the devil. And uh, one day my pastor called me aside and said, I will have to let you stop playing this position because you're playing it too well. And one time we were doing out evangelism, going from village to village. And she said, Derek, I want you to give your testimony. That was testimony? What is a testimony? I look at my, my friend and I said, man, not been in the church. I said, what is a testimony? I don't know what is a testimony. They were like, oh, you share how you, how you came to Jesus and, and all of that. I was like, man, I don't know how to do that. You know, I, all right, I, I, I wrote something down and I remember we were in this village called Mascal and I, 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 I was excited about giving my testimony. And I kid you not, I stand up there and I get ready to give my testimony. And the Holy Spirit came down upon me, Pastor. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. My life was transformed in that moment. I had a Saul to a Paul encounter. It was that night that I knew that God called me to his kingdom, that God had a purpose upon my life. Listen, we got in the bus and on the way from the village back to the city, I look at the entire young people that was in that bus and I told them, I said, hold hands. You got to understand, I was, a, I was a fish. I was new. I just got out of the water. But the Holy Spirit began to speak in 
me. And I told those young people, I said, hold hands. I believe the Lord wants to do something. Young people were baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues in that bus. I look at my pastor. I said, pastor, I said, I know there are some adults in here, but the, the Holy Spirit is the respecter of no one. You guys joining. I mean, the bus was moving and the Holy Spirit was bubbling. I mean, when we got at the church, the driver said, I don't know how we got here, but the, the bus was on E. I told him it was the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, I mean, I was 18 years old when that happened. And from that day forward until now, I have been serving the Lord full time in the ministry. But it was not until I came to the Lord that I knew what was my identity. Until I knew what was my purpose. The enemy was trying to change that when I was in the streets. The enemy tried to, 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 to distort that by letting me focus on my mom who dropped me. My dad who dropped me. So I wasn't crippling the physical, but I was crippling my identity. I was trying to be a man, but did not know how to be a man because my dad dropped me. He wasn't there to teach me what it means to be a dad or be a man. My mom dropped me. Society dropped me because when I cry out to society for help, I came from the south side, so I was no good. I was known to be uh, criminals, and, and I was a menace to society. And so I had no opportunity at advancing in life. And so society dropped me. My friends who I believed in and I trust, when the police grabbed me, they weren't there to support me, so they dropped me. So here I was walking around on two good legs but crippling my identity and leaning on to everything that I could to give me support. I'm talking to somebody in here tonight that somebody have dropped you a long life way. It might be your dad. It might be a husband. It might be somebody that you love, somebody that you confide in, somebody that you trust, and they dropped you along the way, and you might be walking on two good legs, but deep down your scar, deep down your cripple, deep down you're looking for something to hold on to. I come to tell you tonight that my God is still in the miracle business. My God can still turn it around. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. And so here was Mephibosheth, crippling his identity, crippling who he's supposed to be, hiding in a place called Lodabar. And you might say, Brother Derek, how do you know that he was hiding well, every time a new king became king, the first thing that he would do is take a census. And a census would tell him who all is living. And the mere fact that he had to ask, where is there anybody left of Jonathan? That means he was hiding. That means he tried to disguise who he was. He did not want nobody to know, know who he is. And that is what the enemy will do. When he distorts your identity and cripple you, making you feel less than who you're supposed to be, you start to hide behind a mask. 
You start disguising who you are. And so you might be in church and have a smile on your face. And you might be going through the motion of worship. Have your hands held high and everything look good on the outside. But how many of you know that you're really hiding behind a mask? And behind a mask you can pretend to be who you are not. And let me tell you something. The longer you hide behind this mask, you will not realize who you really are. And in order to have intimacy with God, he has to be looking into you. And so if you're hiding behind a mask and not saying here, oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching harder than you're. Oh. Here he was disguising, pretending that everything is okay. But the place that he was hiding it's a place called Lodibar. What does Lodibar mean? Lodibar means a place of no communication. No posture. There is no communication in Lodibar and nothing grows in Lodibar. Come on, I don't see what, I don't know if you realize what the enemy is trying to do to you tonight. But that is what he does when he distort our identity and strip us of our purpose and make us feel lesser than who we are supposed to be, not realizing that royalty flow through our blood, that we're a chosen people, peculiar people. We're the apple of his eyes, the workmanship. We are his masterpiece. When we don't realize that, he will take us to a place called Lodibar where we don't want to talk. And so we shut everything in. We don't want to tell anybody what we're going through. He shut off communication that we don't even want to talk to God and say, Lord, help us. We don't want to cry out to God. We, 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 don't, want to, we don't want to speak. And deep down, you need somebody to talk with. Deep down, there is so much pain. Deep down, there is so much hurt. And let me tell you something. Where there is no communication with God, you can't hear how much He loves you. No posture, nothing grows in Lodibar. What is the sense of life if you're not growing? That's what the enemy will tell you. What is the sense? Nothing is happening in your life. Your marriage is not turning around. Your kids are not coming to church. What is the sense of your life? Why are you even existing. For you, it is better to be dead than alive. And then he comes in with the spirit of suicide. But here is Mephibosheth. Not knowing that the king was looking for him. How many of you know it doesn't matter how low you go, how far you go, you can't, you can't get out of the reach of God. And so he sent Ziba. And Ziba went looking for Mephibosheth. Now I believe there are some Zebas in here tonight. That the Lord is calling. I'll, I'll touch that later. Here is Mephibosheth. Showed up at the, Ziba showed up at the doorstep of Mephibosheth and knocked on his door. Mephibosheth. 
Remember, he tried to disguise himself. So I believe he even changed his voice. Mephibosheth! Who is that? Mephibosheth, the king has need for you. But does the king really know who I am? Does the king know that I'm crippled? Does the king know that I'm not good enough? Does the king know that I, I, I'm at a place that I just want to end it all? Does the king know what I've been through? Does the king know that I'm hurt, I'm scarred? There is hatred and bitterness inside of me. Ziba said, Mephibosheth, if you only know, the king has need for you. I think I'm talking to somebody tonight. And I'm knocking on the door. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your door tonight. And he's saying, I have need for you. I have need for you. Mephibosheth said, but, but don't you know I can't walk? Ziba said, I'll carry you. I'll carry you. No, you got to understand that that was the same thing that hurt him. He trusted somebody to carry him. In order for you to go to the next place that God has for you, you got to face the things that you fear. You can't go around it. You can't go under it. The Bible said that the kingdom of God is for those that overcome. Not for those that will go under or go around. Mephibosheth had to face what he feared and that was for somebody to carry him again. I believe Ziba carried him. No, I want to talk to the Zebas in this room. That God has a calling upon your life to reach people that pastor could never reach. You know where they are. There was nobody else in the kingdom that knew where Mephibosheth was but Ziba. And there are people in your life that God have been calling you to go and bring to the king's table. Come on, somebody. And you know where they are. Pastor doesn't know where they are. It might be your sister, it might be your neighbor, it might be your brother, it might be somebody that hurt you in the past. I don't know who it is, but you know that person is popping up in your mind right now. And God is commissioning you tonight that you need to go to that person's house and you need to knock on their door and say, the Lord has need for you. But here is my caution note to you, Zebas, that you better not drop them. Because they're trusting you again. They're depending on you. Their access to the king throne is through you. And so you better not drop them. And by you not showing up to their doorstep, by you not telling them that the king has need for them, you're already dropping them. So you better speed up and get at it. Come on, somebody. So Ziba carried him before the king. 
the Lord and King David said, I'm going to restore everything that belongs to you. How many of you know that it doesn't matter if you're old in here, if you're young and you feel like you have wasted your life doing all those things, the Lord is able to restore. Everything that you have lost, the, able, the, the, the Lord is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above, the, above even what you could even think or begin to ask for. And he stand before the king and the king said, I'm going to restore it. What is it that you need to be restored in your life tonight? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it comfort? Is it love? It's at the king's table tonight. He said, I will restore everything. And he told me, he said, from here on, you will always eat at my table. Let me tell you something. When you come to the king table, you better come with a big appetite. Because he is serving. You better not come with a ramen noodles mentality. You know, <laughs> that's a whole nother sermon. But the Lord is fixing you some good steak. Some good king's pizza. Come on, somebody. I had king's pizza today. Pizza king or whatever that place was. But king's pizza sound good when you're coming at the king's table. Amen? But, but this is what, can you come and sing that song, I Give Myself Away? And I'll come down here. But this is what got me, Pastor. Is that he was at the king's table. And the king looked at him and said, I'm going to restore everything that is yours. The land, the riches, Everything that is yours, I'm going to give you back. And Mephibosheth's response is what got to me. Because so many times I find myself in that position. I mean, if you know that the king is the accuser of the bedroom, that he's there to remind us of our past. And how good we are not. And he looked at the king and he said, Who am I that you are mindful? If he would have just said mindful of me, that wouldn't have been bad. But he said, who am I that you're mindful of a dead dog like me? Even though he was in the presence of the king and the king was getting ready to restore everything to him, he was crippled so bad that even though he was in the church, even though he was in the presence of Almighty God, he still viewed himself lesser than what God was viewing him. And I come here to encourage somebody tonight that you're not a dead dog. You're not a nobody. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter where you have been. 
I come to tell you tonight that the king has prepared a table for you. And at that table, he is there to tell you, you're my son. Oh, shukana. You're my daughter. I love you with a never-ending love, an unconditional love. There is nothing that you can do to accept my love, but my love, I want to lavish it over you tonight. You've been coming to the church. See, I boast over you. I dance over you. You see, I love you so much that every tear that you shed, I bottle it. I put it in a bottle because I love you. Come here, Hannah. Come to daddy. when nobody else is there to carry you I'll carry you I won't drop you you better best believe I won't drop my daughter my dad dropped me I won't drop my daughter but I'm, I'm, I'm going to carry you daughter you're beautiful I have a purpose for you You're a daughter of the king. Tonight you might be crippled, but you're not destroyed. He can still use you. He'll carry you to where you need to be tonight. Amen. Go to daddy. Go to mommy. And so as we sing this song tonight, with all heads bow. I don't know if you are the Zebas tonight that God is commissioning to go for the Mephibosets. Or I don't know if you are the Mephiboset that is crippled in your identity so bad that you don't know what is your purpose. I want to say tonight is your night. Don't leave this place the same way you came in. You could have been somewhere else. But God have ordered for you to be here tonight. And you're not here by mistake. He said, from the foundation of the earth, I know you. I form you in your mother's womb. And so you're here tonight by purpose. If you're the Mephibosheth in the house tonight, can you raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. 
I believe there are more Bedford Bowl sets in here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord God. I thank you for your love, for your outstretched arms, Lord God, that you're always there for us. I pray that you will reach down and touch them, Lord God. Love them like you have, Lord God, like they have never been loved. Speak to them, Lord God, right now, right where they are. I can hear the Holy Spirit saying, I have need for you. Restore unto them the joy of their salvation. Father, for the Zebas, Lord God, that they will take this opportunity seriously, Lord God, that they get to partner with you in the Great Commission. That, Lord God, that when they go home, Lord God, that, they, that, that, that it will be imprint upon their heart, Lord God, that they won't be able to go to sleep until they pick that phone up or visit that loved one and tell them that the King has need for them. And will be relentless in their pursuit, Lord God, for these Mephibosets. I thank you, Lord God, for your word tonight. And I believe, Lord God, that your people are coming out of Lodabar. And they're coming to the King's presence. I thank you and I praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name. To see. Your desires revealed in me. I give myself away. Can you stand across this house tonight? Oh, Lord. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Hallelujah, I give myself away so you can use me. And say my life is not my own, to you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. It's not my own to you, Lord. I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. And I give myself away. Oh, Lord, I give myself away so you
stops pursuing us. We all have our stories. I believe all of us can reflect and reminisce. All of us can relate at times or seasons in our lives where we just feel like it was just a crippling season. And sometimes it's really challenging to go beyond. And if we're honest tonight, if we was relying on our own strength and our own abilities, we would never go beyond. But I am so thankful like David sent Ziba, our Heavenly Father sends His Holy Spirit and comes and tells us through obedient vessels that I never, never desired for you to live in a barren land, but that in the kingdom there's a place with your name on tonight I'm so thankful that when we are drawn up to the king's table and we find our rightful place the evidence of our crippledness is never seen again can I tell you the enemy wants to magnify it but the Lord just wants you to get it out of your vision and tonight I just want to tell somebody this evening he really truly does love you not by accident but it is by God's design that he sent one of his one of his willing servants to come orchestrated by the Lord just a month ago I didn't know brother Derek he didn't know me he never knew we existed likewise but through the kingdom connection of God see sometimes we just need to hear it from somebody that doesn't know anything about us and the Lord just comes and just says, you know what? It's time just to let it all go and just trust me. And tonight, are you here? And would you just simply say, I trust him. I just, I just trust you, Lord. I'm just going to give it to you today. Lord, I'm just going to give it to you today. I believe tonight that you can walk out of here with a load lifted. And I'm going to ask you, you can come stand in front of this building if you want, or you can stand right where you're at, but I just want you to give it to him. I, 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 I just want you to just say, God, I, I just surrender right now. 
I, I'm not going to allow it to define me any longer. I'm not going to allow it to cripple me any longer. I'm not going to let it steal my identity any longer. But I'm going to just be who you say I am. A new creation in Christ. A son and a daughter of the Most High God. I want to pray for you right now. If you can relate to that and there's things in your life that you know that they've just, it's just took the breath out of you. I want you to lift your hands right now. I'm just going to pray over you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you see your people, your children in this house right now. Their hands are lifted. Their hearts are lifted. And Father, today I just speak a word of release over them. Lord, I pray right now that that thing that event, that crisis, that situation. Lord, I pray right now that there would just begin to be a peace come concerning that and there would be a free. Lord, we dispel the voice of the enemy that would try to bring doubt and uncertainty. And Lord, I just speak a word of comfort. For Lord, we know this, that you are the one that makes all things new. Father, today I pray. I pray for there just to be strength. I pray for there to just be the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And Lord, I just pray right now that there would be faith arise in every individual. They would just say, Lord, I'm trusting you in this area. I'm giving it to you. Lord, as they do that, let them know tonight, Lord, that you're just, you're just beckoning them to sit at your table in a complete manner. Lord, I thank you for touching lives, touching hearts right now in this room. Oh, we just give ourselves to you tonight, Lord. Lord, as we sing it one more time, it's not just words. Lord, it's our prayer. It's our declaration tonight. All that our life belongs to you. Hey everybody, Pastor Ron, I pray that today's message and program has been just a great blessing to you. And I just am uh, so thankful that we had the privilege to come into your home today or wherever you may be watching. I would encourage you to uh, continue to follow us. We're on all of the major social media platforms. Uh, we have podcasts that you can follow us with. I would encourage you to reach out to us and let us know. Our information's on the screen. And uh, if we've been a blessing to you, please contact us. Let us know. And we look forward to sharing the word of the Lord with you again uh, next time. God bless you. We'll see you soon.